chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, and I want to go back to our text passage. That's a great song. I've loved that song for a long time. I want to ask couples to stop talking in the back over here. I want to ask you to stop talking now. You've talked the whole service. I want you to listen now as I come to the preaching, and I want you to hear the message. I want to speak tonight on the subject, learning commitment learning commitment and in this passage of scripture I'd like to read it about five times and then you get an idea about the uh, about the passage but there are three people in our passage that talk about becoming a disciple or being committed to Christ and following him and all of them have an idea about following Christ but Jesus challenges their motive to the place that they understand what commitment is. And so I want to preach tonight on the subject, learning commitment. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray because, Lord, I need you to fill me with your spirit tonight. I hunger for that. I don't want to waste a single opportunity to preach your word. And, Lord, as I think of this transition month. A lot of things are happening in our lives that are transitions. Uh, young people are going to a new grade uh, in school. Uh, Lord, we're going from school year to summertime. Uh, we're uh, having folks graduate from various uh, levels of education. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take this principle and take this truth and apply it to our lives. Help me to preach it in a way that it can be understood and that we can apply it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Commitment is a word that we hear frequently in our modern culture, and yet it is probably uh, not uh, the practice uh, uh, in our culture that it once was, a commitment. Commitment is the trait of uh, sincerity and steadfastness to purpose. Uh, uh, commitment is the act of binding oneself to a course of action. Commitment describes the person who is willing to give their time and energy to something that they believe in. Commitment also identifies itself not by just what we are committed to, but what we are separated from. Uh, the world and the devil has so many things to get our attention. And I'll say this again later in the message, perhaps the greatest success of the devil is to keep us so busy-minded that we're not focused on purpose enough to be committed to purpose. And so I want to preach tonight on a process of learning commitment. Our text passage teaches us uh, that uh, teaches us not only the character uh, of discipleship, but it also teaches us the cost of discipleship or the cost of a commitment. I want to read this passage of Scripture, and I want you to notice there's three different people that talk about following Christ, and they're challenged not because he questions their desire to be committed, he questions them so that they will check their motive and to see if they're willing to pay the price of being committed to follow Christ. Look with me in verse number 57. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man, this is the first man, said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto 
him foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. So he challenges him to think about what he is committing to. And then the Bible says in verse 59, And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Here's a fellow, another fellow that is challenged about the timeliness of his commitment. Now we have the third man, and another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's look at these three. First of all, uh, there is a financial consideration that is a hindrance to commitment. Uh, the man commits in his word, he commits in promise, and he says, Lord, I'll follow you whithersoever uh, you go. And oftentimes we will make that verbal commitment, uh, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere you go. And then Jesus said, let me tell you where I go. He said, the birds of the air have nests, and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And so he's challenging him to understand where he's going. He saw this man's motive of commitment, uh, and uh, perhaps this fellow thought that Jesus was setting up an earthly kingdom, as many people thought he did, and he was thinking about maybe in this kingdom he could have a position of prosperity, or maybe a, pish, uh, a position of power uh, to be appointed by the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus points out, I'm not headed yet to a coronation I'm headed to a crucifixion. And I want you to think about what you said. Are you willing? Are you committed to following me? And then the second man, he has not a financial consideration. He has a family consideration. And a family consideration can sometimes be a hindrance to our commitment. This man says, Jesus, maybe he heard the first man, I don't know. And so he doesn't want Jesus to challenge him when he says, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Uh, but he says, I'll go with you, but suffer me first to go and bury my father. Now, as I understand this passage of Scripture, I don't think that his father has died. I think that his father perhaps is up in years and he is caring for his father. And Jesus is making him decide. Are you going to serve me now or are you not going to serve me? He had his excuse ready. I'm willing to do anything except I've got this one problem. It's likely that the father uh, wasn't dead. And in those days when a man died in that climate, typically they had a funeral within a day or a burial within a day. And then they had a mourning or a period of about 10 days, the Jews did. And then after the 10 days, they had a reading of the will. And then they had the distribution of the property and belongings of the person. And, and th this fellow is being challenged. He is saying, uh, you want to follow me, 
but first of all, you want to get what you can get and then follow me. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, let's go, follow me now. And he challenges him about his commitment. And then there's a formal consideration of this last person. The third said, I will follow thee, but let me go first, uh, let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my home, at my house. And then Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I wonder if there's anybody here, how many of you ever plowed a horse or a mule? Anybody ever done that? All right, some of you have. I plowed a horse or a mule. In fact, several of you have. Uh, when you plow a mule, uh, that, that's, that's one of the most difficult things, and I wasn't good at it. The fellows where I grew up, uh, they, they had their mules trained. G meant turn right, and haw meant turn left. My mule had never been to language school, and he didn't know G from Hall, come here, or Sikkim. And uh, they would take the lines, the plow lines, and uh, they were long, and they would roll them up and put them over their head and just sort of, G, G, that mule go to the right, Hall, Hall, he go to the left. And uh, if I'd have had those plow lines around my head, I wouldn't have been preaching tonight. I'd have been hung uh, by a plow. But I did have a mule my dad bought me, and uh, I, would, uh, I would plow the mule. Now, now what you would do is you would fix your eyes on a post or on a tree or something and the ears of that mule were sort of like sights of a gun. And, uh, you, you, and, and that's how you would sort of keep him in line uh, to keep things going. And, and sometimes, of course, if you had... Now, I know some of you, I'm over your head, but, but just listen. Uh, you would have the plowed part on one side and the unplowed part on the other, and you'd step down and up. Brother Ron's uh, nodding his head. He's with me tonight. And uh, you were up and down, so you had to, uh, you had to keep that sight between the ears mules to... Uh, ears mules. No, the mule's ears. You ought to try this sometime. It ain't easy. You can laugh. It's easy to laugh. And, uh, and, 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 but if you would look back, you'd always pull that thing. It's sort of like looking back, driving. You always go to the left or the right. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, come on. But you have to go one direction or the other. You can't look that way and follow me. If you're going to follow me, set your eyes on following me and let's go. And Jesus is saying here, if you're going to serve me, you have to be committed to serve me. The reason many people fall out of serving God is because they're just trying it. There's no such thing as just trying to serve God. You don't just try to serve God and see if it works out. I've said before to fellas, if you gave Jesus half the chance you gave Budweiser, you'd be a good Christian. Every weekend for years, you would, uh, you, you would get your booze and you'd go fishing or go someplace like that. And you ought to be committed to serving Christ. I am preaching tonight. This Bible teaches us. And the Lord Jesus said, if you're going to serve me, serve me. And serve me with a commitment. I believe tonight that every person that commits to a place of service, that place of service is important and we ought to be committed to our place of service to the Lord. Let me give you several things we ought to be committed to. We ought to be committed to the will of God. We ought to be committed to the will of God as I preached this morning. We ought to be committed to the call of God. The most dangerous person in all of the world is a person that's running from the call of God. God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and Nineveh was a dangerous place, but he fared better in Nineveh than he did uh, in the, let me say it right, the belly of the whale. That's a hard one to get right. I preach the well of the belly, but the belly of the whale is a lot safer in Nineveh than it was out of the will of God. 
be committed to the will of God. We're to be committed to our work or ministry of God. You're committed to the choir, you ought to be in the choir. You're committed to the nursery, you ought to be in the nursery. Whatever it is, I'm not going to go through 45 different places, but there ought to be a commitment to our place of service. We're to be committed in our marriage. Never looking back, never looking back, just saying, this is my commitment till death do we part. That is my commitment. We ought to be committed to our family. Those children are our children, and we're to rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There may be times that I fail. There may be times that I fall. Oh, but I'm committed. I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to move forward in the rearing of my children. Not an easy task, but there must be a commitment in the rearing of our children. We need to be committed in our promises. Our words should be our bond. What we say should be good for uh, what we say. Our word should be good. We ought to be committed to our promises. The Bible tells us it's better to not vow a vow than it is to make a vow and break that vow. Now, he's not saying you shouldn't make a vow. He's saying you ought to be committed to your vows. We ought to be committed to our friends. If your friend's going through a tough time, that's when they need a friend. If your friend is struggling and they're struggling spiritually, they're struggling emotionally, they're struggling mentally, whatever it is, that's when they need a friend. Be committed to your friends. There'll be a time that, friend, you'll be down and you'll need somebody that's committed to you. Be committed to your friends. I want to give you five statements or five steps in this matter of commitment. When we're committed to something, it begins by an awareness of the need an awareness of the need. Hear me well, when we see the need. I can't be committed to something until I see the need. There are many scriptures I could give you. I want to give you two. Jeremiah, what a committed man he was. He never had a convert, yet he was committed to God's call in his life. Committed. He was committed. The Bible says in Lamentations 3.51, Mine eye affecteth my heart because of all the daughters of my city. Jeremiah did not put his head in the sand. He looked at the condition of his nation. He looked at it and he saw the need and what he saw broke his heart. I want to say tonight, if we're not careful, we will hide our eyes in what we want to do rather than the needs that are around us. Now I'm not going to go through that list again, the will of God, the call of God, all the way down to our friends, but we ought to pay attention to the need when we are aware of a need, that's the beginning of a commitment. And we need to keep ourselves aware of the need. I drive through our city on purpose just for God to break my heart again and again and again to see the need of the gospel being preached house to house and door to door in our city. And I'm thankful for the many, many folks that this week went house to house, door to door, person to person, telling folks the old, old story that Jesus came from glory to give the gift of eternal life. I drive through the city 
Now, I understand there are many things that we enjoy in our area in central Kentucky, but there's more to central Kentucky than the restaurants you eat at and the shops that you shop in. There are little boys and little girls and there's teenagers and there are men and women. They've never heard the gospel and many are broken by sin and we need to see the spiritual need. We'll never stay committed to our place of service unless we keep our eyes on the need. Ezekiel said this, Ezekiel 3.15, Then I came to them of the captivity of Tel Aviv that dwelt by the river of Chabar. And I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning for me. The reason many people have never considered being committed to soul winning is they've never taken the time to see the need. I was challenged this morning after church A mother met me after the service this morning. And she said, do you have a preacher that goes to the federal prison? I said, no ma'am, it's very difficult to go into a federal prison to preach. She then said in tears, My son needs people that will preach the Word of God and teach the Bible that won't be discouraged by folks making it difficult to get into the prison. She said, I'm not being harsh or hard or unkind. I appreciate you and I appreciate your church. But I have a son that's in a federal prison I wish he had a preacher like you that could preach in the federal prison. You know what happened when I heard the need? It gave me a desire to make a difference. It's always difficult to get into the jails or prisons. Girls, stop talking back here and look at me. Look at me. It's difficult to get into the prisons and jails, and especially since COVID, it's been difficult, and they continue to use different reasons and excuses and all the different things. But when I heard about the need, when I saw the sad eyes of a mother who has a young man in prison, you see, Ezekiel said, when I sat where they sat. Could I ask us tonight to step out of our convenient circle? Could I ask us tonight to step out of our happy life and open our eyes and look around us and see there is a need for somebody to be a soul winner? There's need for folks to go to the nursing homes. There's need for folks to run buses. There's need for folks to teach Sunday school. You see, commitment begins with seeing the need. 
Perhaps the most successful work of Satan today is keep us busy, preoccupied, and distracted. Not at sinful things. No, 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 that won't work with us. He keeps us busy playing fun games and good games and healthy games and mind games. And, but just so we don't see the need. Commitment starts with seeing a need. In Acts chapter 16, Paul was a bit confused, if I could use that word, about where to go. He'd made several recommendations and the Holy Spirit forbade him to go back through Asia. He said, I'll go to Bithynia, I'll go to Mysia. And, and the Holy Spirit forbade him. And then when the man came in that, in that vision in the night, when that man came to him and he said, Paul, there is a great need in Macedonia. The poor people of Macedonia need to hear the gospel. Paul became a committed soul winner. He went to Macedonia. Where did it begin? It began by seeing the need. Are you with me tonight? Second of all, a willingness to change to meet the need. Typically when we see the need, we say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. God said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh let my people go. He said, who am I to go? He said, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say. And one by one, as we go through the scripture, there are those that responded with their inabilities. And the response to that inability is, then make yourself able to go. Change what you are so we can make the change that's needed. I told the story this morning of William Borden. His father was a, uh, was a miner of silver mines in Colorado. And he, uh, and, and he received an inheritance. He was a wealthy man in the early 1900s, well more than a millionaire, and that was a lot more having a million dollars then than having that today. But, but he knew when he made that trip around the world, listen to me, he knew that God had called him to be a missionary but he was not ready to go, so he enrolled in college. He went to Yale University, and he used his burden to lead a revival at Yale, having a 1,000 of 1,300 students become a part of a prayer meeting. He challenged them. He stirred them. He knew God's will was to go and be a missionary, but he didn't skip his training to go. After that, he went to Princeton for one year uh, to the uh, seminary there to prepare for ministry. He was willing to change. I think of Saul of Tarsus when he got saved. He was told to go to the house of Ananias. And in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16, Paul, who is far more educated than Ananias. He had to yield himself. He had to submit himself to the teaching and the instruction of Ananias. And one after another as they prepared Paul to become the great missionary, we must be willing to change whatever it is. We must be willing to grow. If we're going to come to a place of commitment, we have to let God change us. And perhaps the greatest change we have to make is from walking in the flesh to walking in the Spirit. For I cannot do what God wants me to do in the flesh, but I can, yielded to the Spirit, do anything God calls me to do. Are you still with me tonight? Number three, there must then be an intense focus on the will of God. If we're going to come to a place of commitment, 
an intense focus on right, an intense focus on the will of God. I've often thought, and this has often convicted me and my thinking, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, that was a three and a half years, not 32 years. I've been the pastor here 32 years. I've been a pastor now more than 37 years. Jesus had a three and one half year ministry. Before he began his earthly ministry, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in prayer and fasting alone with God, focusing, focusing on what the Father desired him to do. An intense focus on the will of God. Let me ask you a question. Are you focused on your friendships? Are you focused on the will of God? Are you focused on the call of God? Are you focused on your marriage and family? Are you focused on the promises that you made? I want to say tonight, if we're going to be a committed Christian, a Christian of character, a Christian of commitment, we must stay focused. We cannot be distracted by all the noises of the world. We cannot be distracted by all the games of the world and all the things of the world. We must be focused on the will of God for our lives. There are different theories of how long it takes to develop habits. Some habits can be developed if you do the same thing at the same time. Every day for 28 days it forms some level of habit. There is another theory or even some, uh, some proof or studies that say if we do something 66 days in a row, it becomes a habit. Another I read said if you do something for 245 days, it will become a lifelong habit that you will not break. I wonder how many Christians have made it 28 days in a commitment of reading the Word of God, in a commitment of prayer. I wonder how many Christians have made it 66 days. I wonder how many Christians have made it for uh, the 245 days, uh, some eight, nine months committed to the will of God. If we're going to be committed, we must be focused on the will of God. Number four, there must be a decision. I, I must hasten. There must be a decision. We need to decide, I am not going to be pushed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I, I, I won't dwell on this, but it frustrates me, it irritates me. For a fellow 45 years old, a preacher still trying to figure out what he believes. It, it just frustrates me. I, I mean, he, he's into Calvinism one day, and he's into Arminianism one day. Why don't you just get in the Bible, stay in the Bible, live the Bible, believe the Bible, and do what the Word of God says. Just decide to follow Jesus. Go ahead and sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Don't ask me a question about a man's opinion of the Bible. Ask me a Bible question. Let's just deal with what the old black book says and make a commitment to serve Jesus. A decided commitment. One of my weaknesses as a young man was an inability to stay focused on something until it was finished. I think they have a name for it. I think it's ADD or something like that, attention deficit disorder. I had that, I guess. My dad weaned me off of it. When my attention ran out, his attention kicked in. 
I was a teenager, probably 15, 16. I don't think I had my driver's license, and I was always doing odd jobs. I had a paper route early in the morning, 4 o'clock every morning, and when I would collect on my paper route then, I would, uh, I would get jobs cutting grass and cutting weeds and that kind of thing, and I, I had a lady ask me if I would paint their house. Man and his wife, they came to our church and asked me if I would paint their house. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a good painter, and I told them I wasn't a good painter, but for the money they offered me, I could learn. Now, I'll never forget what my dad said. He said, now, son, I'm going to let you, I'm gonna let you take that job, but listen, you're going to paint the back of the house first. You're going to trim the house first. Because I know what you'll do. As soon as you get there, you'll take the roller and you'll start painting the front of the house. And it will look like after six hours you've done a lot. Then he says it's going to take the rest of the week and you're going to drag and go slow trimming it and do all the little things that are time consuming. So you're going to paint the trim and you're going to paint the back first. I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten it. That's why I eat my broccoli first if I have to, if the dog's not there. And uh, i got a dog that'll eat anything if you'll feed it to it, you know. I mean, just it thinks it. Anyway, you do that. Anyway, everybody needs that kind of a dog that'll eat broccoli. But do the hard things first. If I'm going to serve God, I just have to make the decision. Paul said this, Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. When I committed my life to be a preacher of the gospel, I made that commitment and I would not allow myself to think about doing anything else because that's what God called me to do, a decided commitment, last of all, quickly. I must continue to build character. Now, character is never fun. Character is never easy. Character is very simply this. It is crucifying the flesh and doing what is right. Not what I feel like doing or want to do. Building character is required to having a commitment. You need to develop character and stay committed in your marriage. You need to develop character and decide. It's interesting to me how quickly a young man can play basketball, how quickly a young lady can play volleyball, how quickly a fella can go fishing and golfing no matter how early in the morning. But when it comes to something that we don't want to do, our head hurts, our stomach hurts, we're dizzy and we just don't feel good. We need to do right. Character is just doing right. Here's what the Bible says. Psalm 37, 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Proverbs 18, 1, Through desire a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Deuteronomy 6, 5, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Love God. Make the decision to love Him with your heart. Make the decision to love Him with your soul. Make the decision to love Him with all your might. 
Proverbs 16, 3, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. 1 Kings 8, 61, Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in His statutes and to keep His commandments as at this day. Luke 9, 62, And Jesus said unto him, No man having putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Don't look back. Keep moving forward. I preach tonight. Let's stay committed to the will of God. Stand with me if you will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you do not know Christ as your Savior, you ought to trust Him right now tonight. You're here and you've been saved and not baptized. You're going to be baptized tonight. I want you to come forward right now. We're excited about that decision of you following Christ in believer's baptism. Those that are thinking about turning on their friendship. Giving thoughts about turning on your commitment in marriage. You ought to get on your face before God tonight and say, I made a vow and I will keep my vow to God and to my spouse. Commitment. Heavenly Father, help us, 